Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwine through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Shema Podcast. As we are approaching Rosh Hashanah, I want to share with you this powerful teaching I learned from Rabbi Nachman in his Lakute Maran. And it is about how to wield the sword of prayer. And he lays out very step by step on how to do this. But before we get into his teachings, there's something we need to understand to understand that our prayers do matter and they have a major impact on the world around us. Now, if you look at the name of Hashem, the name that we're referring to when we say Hashem, which means the name, it is the Hebrew letters Yud and then Hey and then a Vav and then a Hey. And it's a name we don't pronounce because we don't have the vowels presented to us in the Torah how to do so. And if someone did know how to pronounce it correctly, they're forbidden from doing so in our generation. It'd be like someone plugging a lamp directly into a nuclear power plant. It just could not hold that level of power. Not in our generation. That is something that, what I understand, Mashiach will know how to do. But when you look at those letters, and this is something I learned from Rabbi Cohen, is that the first letter, the Yud, if you're not familiar with the Hebrew letters, that small little squiggly line, that represents thought, inspiration, the origins of an idea. And the second letter is a hey, which is on the left, a straight line, a line going horizontal above it with a gap in between, and then curving around and forming the right side of the letter with an opening underneath which reflects and looks like a house, which is sort of what it is. Because basically what we've gotten to so far is that we have ideas that come into our mind and then they enter into the realm of Yitzir, a formation, that dimension where all our ideas are really taking place. And then that Vav represents those ideas coming into the world, the world of Asira, the world of action where we reside and, and coming into that second hey. So basically what you have is this name of God, which represents thought manifest. And when we say we are in the image of God, this is the whole idea is that we are doing the same. We have that same ability. Matter of fact, if you take the letters, and so instead of going left to right and put them one on top of each other, a yud on top with a hay underneath it, and then a vav, and then the second hay, what you have is a head, two arms, a torso, and two legs. So this is why Hashem created us in his image to be able to thought manifest. And of course, it's a power that people can use and derive their source from the Sitra Akhra, the, the source of evil, and bring about those type of negative things into the world as well. But we, we're Jews. We're trying to align ourselves to the Almighty, fulfill his will. But this is what he empowered us to do as his co-creators. Okay. So let's get into this Rabbi Nachman teaching, and it's going to involve a little Kabbalah for those of you who are not familiar with it, but simple ideas, so stay with me. But when you think about how someone wields a sword with the most power, they lift it above their head. I'm sorry to share this with you, but I'm bringing into my memory this cartoon I used to watch in the early 80s when I was a kid, He-Man, where he would hold the sword above his head and say, 
I have the power. And he would transform to He-Man, which is, he would, his clothes would change to where he'd have, I think, a, a fur-covered vest, a fur Speedo, and fur boots. And horrible image to have in your head. But then I think when he said, I have the power, I don't know if it was the sword or the the steroid shots that he was injecting him to himself because he was this extremely buff guy. But sorry to put that image in your head. It's what I had just now. But the idea here is that when you hold the sword above your head, you get the most power by swiping down right down the middle, using the strength and the proper balance of both sides of your body, your arms and your legs. And that's the same idea that Rabbi Nachman is discussing. So first, to understand a few elements here, we have at the most upper level, we have these these three sets of three, right? And at the top, we have these three intellectual qualities. And everything has a masculine and a feminine aspect to themselves. And properly balanced, they give birth to the spiritual energy that's between them. So for instance, on the right side of the intellectual qualities, we have Hakma, that idea. On the left side, we have Bina. So when Hakma, which is masculine, joins with Bina, which is feminine, which is understanding. So you have wisdom, understanding. It gives birth to Das, knowledge. And one of the things Rabbi Nachman talks about to strengthen our Das, our knowledge, is several things that we must do in order to properly wield this sword of prayer. One he says is that when we're studying Torah, we must verbalize it, which makes sense because how else do those holy ideas of Torah enter into this world. You know, when I was a kid growing up learning how to read, I remember my mother and teachers telling me to stop reading out loud, learn how to read internally in your mind. And now they would see me moving my lips and they would tell me, don't move your lips, just read the words in your mind. And then when you go to a library, I don't know if people go to libraries anymore, but when I was a kid, you go to a library and librarians telling everyone, shh, be quiet. It was the, you know, the librarian wanted total silence in the library. However, that's not the case when you go to a place of Torah study. You go into yeshiva or kolel or somewhere people are studying Torah. It's very loud. Why? Because even if someone's not studying with a partner, the people studying by themselves are reading those words out loud. Because to get those Torah ideas from the world of Yetzirah into our world requires taking our ruach, our breath, and verbalizing it and creating those vibrations into the world. You know, I hear all the time, and it confused me at first when someone would say, Rabbi so-and-so brought down this idea. What do you mean brought down? And the idea that I learned is that when a scholar brings down a new Torah idea, an extrapolation of previous ideas and generates a new idea and he verbalizes it, whether or not he's even sitting by himself, those ideas are now in the world. And that's why you may see a non-Jew on the other side of the planet years later come upon the same idea themselves because that Sadiq brought it into this world. So that's one. When you're learning Torah, verbalize the words out loud. And the second thing Rabbi Nachman discusses is that when you're studying Torah, you must have the intention of implementing those ideas. So as an example, and I know many of you who have reached out to me are just new in your observance. And so something, let's say, like Shabbos is not something that's in the near time horizon for you. That's that's fine. Granted, you know, we, we make Shabbos out to be this huge deal. Logically, we know it's not. It's anyone who experiences Shabbos for the first time says that was the most relaxing time of my life. And it looks so overwhelming, but yet... As we've discussed before, the Yetzirah makes it a very big deal because that's beachhead. The Yetzirah does not want to let go of. So 
back to my original point, if you're studying Torah and you see a verse discussing, for instance, about not lighting fire on Shabbos, and you know you're going to hop in your car and light a gazillion fires, you know, this upcoming Shabbos, let that go and just focus on, it is my intention to one day fulfill this mitzvah by avoiding this negative mitzvah of lighting fires on Shabbos. And you can ask Hashem, please create the path for me for one day being able to fill this mitzvah. But the point is, whatever you're reading, you must have the intention that you, pl- that you are going to implement that idea at some point in your future. I've seen so many Jews who are intellectuals and who have studied Torah for years without ever having the intention of, of applying any of it and fulfilling any of the mitzvot, which is a shame. Yetzirah has them trapped in pride and is not allowing them to come to the conclusion that everything they're reading is something they should be doing, even though they've been through the Torah, the Chumash, multiple times and nowhere have seen a verse that says that Hashem created Jewish denominations and told certain Jewish denominations to not keep these mitzvot, that Yetzirah is blocking them from doing that. But for, for us, we know, like even if we're not able to fulfill these mitzvot right now, and we're taking the proper baby steps, but continual baby steps every day to move towards fulfilling them all, just make sure that when you learn those, that you have that intention that one day you will be fulfilling it. So that's that top three quadrant. Again, wisdom, coupling with Bina, creating DOS. We bring DOS to the world by studying with the intention of fulfilling what we're learning and verbalizing those words out loud. So again, now we've centered our intellectual properties, that first pathway, that sort of prayer is going to go through. And the next is chesed, kindness, gevora, judgment. And in the middle is tefiris, compassion. And this corresponds with the heart. So we've discussed this idea before that the whole idea is that kindness, which is masculine, by going into gevora and channeling it and forming it in the proper balance, creates compassion. And that Balance is not a set absolute terms. It's relative based off who you're interacting with. So for example, as I believe I've used this before, if a crack addict comes to you and says, please give me some of your sadaka, I need to get another fix. The compassionate thing would not be to give freely and show kindness because you would end up probably killing the person. So you would hold back from your sadaka and maybe give in a different way by pleading with them to allow you to take them to a recovery center. But what Rabbi Nachman talks about, this whole idea of balancing out kindness and judgment and bringing it to the right level for Tiferis is sadaka. That is the manifestation of all this. And this is something that, of course, we all know that sadaka, the translation is not charity, it's justice. And so we need to know that when we give sadaka, that we are keeping accurate accounting of every dollar that comes in and we're making sure that 10% of it goes out. However, it must go to true causes that are worthy of Hashem sadaka. For one, spreading Torah wisdom, whether it's Kiruv organizations like Torch or yeshivas or places that are supporting Torah scholarship, or it's the needy. And we work within concentric circles of first providing for the needy of our fellow Jews in our local area and then in Israel. Now, this is something I realized early on I was not doing properly. And what I mean by that was I was giving to organizations that were doing the opposite of supporting Torah values. 
it was horrifying to learn this, that when you give to organizations that do the opposite of spreading Torah values, that not only does it not count as Sadaqat, it counts against you because you basically have helped finance with Hashem's money, blasphemy, and people doing the opposite of Hashem's will. So I'm not going to name any organizations, but you know there are Jewish organizations that promote the idea that Torah is not divine, and Jews are not obligated to fulfill mitzvot. That is not a place worthy of sedaka because it does the opposite. We want Jews to understand Torah is divine, and fulfilling the mitzvot is how they rectify themselves and the world around them and fulfill Hashem's will and properly cleave to Him. There is a organization that people give tzedakah to, and they're responsible for dispersing it to other Jewish institutions. And I've seen these organizations. Torch will go to them, and they'll say, hey, so what do you do? And they'll say, well, we teach Torah to all Jews. And they'll be like, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you. And I've seen that same organization when someone came to them and said, hey, we would like some money because we would like to put together a group to march in a gay pride parade They were opening up their checkbook and writing checks before they finished explaining everything they were going to do. We have to be careful. We have to give our sadaka in a way that, and to others and other institutions that are in alignment with the way Hashem wants us to give our sadaka. So that's step two, is the proper balance of chesed, kindness, gavora, judgment, balancing it properly for tefiris, which is beauty or compassion. It's how we give our sadaka. So now we've gotten the sword down to that middle level. The third, bottom three, is we have on the right side, we have nitzak, which means victory or endurance. And on the left side is hod, which I've seen translated as splendor. And in the middle, we have yesod, which means foundation. So let's let's break apart these ideas now. And these are something I, I struggled with for a while because... When you start at the the middle sephiros, the middle sephiros, middle energy of Yasod, what it corresponds with is the the sex organ. And as we've discussed before, one of the most important covenants with our creator is for a male to keep his bris milah, to get the bris milah when he's an infant on his eighth day, but to keep it through sexual purity. I've discussed this idea in my episode I did early on, the holy bris, a very humiliating episode to do, but I knew it was so important. I knew so many Jews did not know what bris milah was. That was more than just a circumcision. I felt I had to do this episode, but the benefit I could provide was by sharing that if someone didn't know this and they were not keeping their bris, that I'd been there and I'd gone through the great challenge of reclaiming my bris. And I relaunched it just recently, and it was painful for me to do to put it back out there again. But I'm glad I did, because a lot of people reached out to me who weren't aware of this, who didn't catch that much earlier episode in the origins of this podcast. And I'll probably begrudgingly release it again at some point in the future, just to make sure it sort of stays in that more recent podcast, so Jews have not been exposed to this very important mitzvah do so. I'll tell you, you want to hear some humiliation. About a month before I moved to this community, Rabbi Yokoff Wolby said, Dan, the guys in the community are really looking forward to meeting you when you move down here. And I said, oh, that's so nice of you. I guess you sang some nice words about me to 
help me put my best foot forward when I meet them. And he said, no, no, no. It's because they're listening to your podcast. And I said, why are these from Jews listening to my podcast? And he said, they, they, they like it. And they, they really liked the one you did with Rabbi Cohen on the Holy Briss. And I was like, are you telling me that my first impression with these holy, holy people is that, is that podcast where I disclosed that my favorite character in The Little Rascals used to be Spanky. This is just, this is fantastic. Oh, I can't wait. Really great way for me to put my best foot forward with all these people. But again, a sacrifice I'm willing to make for my fellow Jews. I never really could understand this whole idea of how does Nitzak, victory, and hold splendor fit into the equation of balancing out to create so this foundation of our bris milah. And this is what I've gathered here is that this idea of nitzak, it's victory or endurance, is you know when you reach a new level of understanding or fulfilling a mitzvot or something you've been working on, you know, one of the things that can happen, you know, as we discussed before the Yetzirah, one of his tactics is it gets you to sin and then it tells you you're a worthless piece of, you know what, so you might as well give up and it gets you depressed, God forbid, and you stop trying. That's one tactic. The other tactic it uses is when you have a, a victory, when you achieved something great, whether it's getting knowledge or helping perfect maybe a midot where you've gotten rid of anger or all these things, what can happen is the Yetzirah will say on the other end of the, his equation, his tactics is, wow, you are amazing. You are such a sodic. You're incredible. And guess what? You become full of pride, full of arrogance. He increases the chametz in the bread. And what happens when we become prideful, arrogant? We push out Hashem. So we block the channel. Hashem can only enter us. We can only be a pipeline to let his blessings into the world and connect with him by remaining in a humble state, which is super easy for me living in this community because I'm around so many incredible people. I can go to the study hall and sit next to a couple of 10-year-old boys studying Gemara, not in the art school with like I'm doing, but just with the Hebrew and Aramaic and they're debating it back and forth. I mean, you know, or when I'm even in the Kalel and... I'm learning, and the head rabbis there at one time had a discussion, a little bit of a debate on a certain thing, and all the the students, the rabbis, and they're learning, everyone stopped and got really quiet and just were hanging on every word they were saying. And so was I. I looked off my book. I was hanging on every word that those rabbis were saying. However, the difference with me, I had no idea what they were talking about. Zero idea. And that's okay. I mean, quite frankly, that's why I like being in the environment because it it helps me with my humility because I realize I know so, so little. Now, how do they at their level remain in a state of utter humility, being as scholarly as they are, having these perfect me dose and being like angels? I don't know. When I, when I, if I ever, God willing, get to that point, I'm sure Hashem will show me the way. But that's what I think is happening or that's what I think the balance is because when you get to hoed, on the left side, what it is is really realizing is that and acknowledging that after you have that victory, that you realize it all came from Hashem. See, all we're really bringing to the equation here is the desire to, to fulfill His will. But the ability to learn and comprehend Torah and change ourselves, it would not happen without Hashem's help. That is reality. 
And it almost gets you to a point like, well, what am I bringing to the equation? Again, what we're bringing is the desire. I desire to fulfill your will. Help me learn your Torah, improve my midos, my character traits, and help me fulfill the Torah. And so I think that's the whole idea here because what is one of the, the main thing that leads someone to breaking their bris milah? It's pride and arrogance. And that's why that is that, that last channel. You know, the other thing that arrogance and pride brings, getting back to the bris milah too, is that if you look at the whole idea of bris milah and, and using our sexual organ in the proper way, is that by default, just like animals, they act off that urge. And Hashem had to build into the system that all species had that urge because he knew the majority of species, of course, the animals, but the majority of mankind would not be wanting to fulfill his will. But Hashem needed him to fulfill his will as far as procreating and bringing more bodies and shamas into the world. But then we're tasked with totally turning it and using that only to serve his will through marital intimacy with our wife and creating beautiful babies to bring new shamas into the world. So we're taking something that could be used for receiving selfishly for our own pleasure, and we're using it for giving. Again, this is a whole idea, too, of aligning ourselves with Hashem is being in a state of giving because He's always in a state of giving. And that's why if you look at all these three things down the center, das, knowledge, we are taking the Torah we're learning and we're giving it. We're bringing it out in the world even if we're studying by ourselves. We're studying with the intention of doing it and bringing it out in the world through action. We are giving through our sadaka, and then we are giving through our brismila by using that part of our body only to serve Hashem. This is the way Rabbi Nachman's teaching. If we have these three things in balance, we hold that sword of prayer above our head, it gives us the ability to swipe it down and bring all of those blessings into the world. And what happens when we bring those blessings in the world? That is the Sephiros right under Yesod, Malchut, kingship. We are establishing Hashem's kingship in the world. We're bringing everything down from inspiration, ideas, to our giving, and we're bringing everything through that pipeline. If you sort of just think of those Sephiros, those energies in the middle of our body, the Das, Teferos, Yesod, when we align those things, we're creating a pipeline, and we're bringing it all into Malchut, which is this world, as we approach Rosh Hashanah, which is all about establishing Hashem's kingship here, I hope you can use this Rabbi Nachman teaching to bring all the blessings that you, my friends, deserve, material, spiritual, bring them into the world for you, your loved ones. May you have an amazing new year full of much continued growth and barakas. Thank you for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking Donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.